standard issue for all women. Hi there, welcome to The Sunday Chops. I am currently wedged down the side of my bed because I've left this until six o'clock in the evening and anyone who listens to this regularly will know I live on a very busy road. Anyway, um, I'm wedged down the side of my bed in the hope that I will protect your ears from some of that ghastly traffic noise going on outside. But anyway, I'll stop shilly-shallying now and get to the crux of the issue, which is this week we chatted to Molly Sheridan, who is the co-founder of Reek Perfume, which is a perfume company as the name would in fact suggest. But the thing about it that's interesting is that it's sort of a feminist perfume company. So when I heard about Reek, I wanted to talk to Molly about things like, is there space for feminism in the beauty industry? Is it a good thing that women feel empowered by makeup? Should they feel empowered by makeup? What does advertising really show us? And to what extent is it all just massive lies? It, it was a really, really interesting chat. Um, she's a very, very interesting young woman. Have a listen and let us know what you think if you like it. We've got loads of other Sunday chops. We've got a couple that I've done which have been um, predominantly sporty with people like Claire Balding and Judy Murray. We've had Mickey chatting to the author Ray Earl, who's brilliant. Um, we've had Mickey and Hannah chatting to Jem Turner, a disability and style blogger and Hannah chatted to Catelyn Brodnick the other week about having a uh, double mastectomy which is as Mickey said last week more jolly than it sounds so do listen to those and if you like this then do do have a listen to our podcast if you haven't already where there is a shorter version of this and so many other treats for you hope you enjoy we are with Molly Sheridan Hello. Hi. From the who? What am I going to say about you, Molly? There we go. <laughs> there well, we go. I'm a full-time smelly bitch. A full-time smelly bitch. Yeah, that's my title. We, we are with Molly Sheridan, a full-time smelly bitch, apparently. But also, Molly is a makeup artist, and Molly and her mother have a perfume company called Reek. And Molly's perfume company is a feminist perfume company basically yeah. <laughs> i'm quite close to molly and she smells lovely yeah i mean okay. i haven't smelled you anything next to me and i was wearing too many layers on the tube hannah however smells like a travesty yeah because <laughs> you know there's always two sides to every smelly bitch smelly is in the nose of the beholder my mother can't smell fun fact that is an interesting she fact something called a nosmia. and does that mean she also can't taste uh, her taste is a bit impaired in, yeah I mean, she can yeah, because it's like differentiate 70... between that ah. is salty, that is like not salty. Tongue. Yeah, but yeah, um, it does mean that it's she quite... can get down an incredibly hot curry without realizing. It's that. also quite terrifying because fire. Yeah. We've, we've got lots of smoke alarms in our house after yeah. several incidences. It's all your wiring yeah. is all your taste is wiring. It's yeah. in the smell. That's why when you walk past somebody and they smell like a perfume or a scent of somebody that you remember, you can't stop your brain taking you back there. Have you ever had that? You walk past like a, someone who smells like your ex-boyfriend yeah. or something like that yeah. Yeah. and you're immediately taken back there and it's the same uh, chemical reaction that happens just if you are about to die and you have that thing where people say your mm. life flashes before your eyes and it's the, it's the same wiring as when you smell something. Your brain just goes right to it. Oh, like Proust's Madeline. Yeah, I was just thinking like Proust's Madeline. Molly, clearly there's more science in perfume than just does it smell good? There is. I don't I do not do the science side. 
but I am I'm learning slowly but surely. We work with loads of noses. So the nose that we work with is uh, Sarah McCartney, who's a female nose, and her whole job is coming up with smells for people. So you go to her with a brief, and she makes up synthetic smells. And she can do anything. She can make up the smell of an old welly boot or a rock pool. Have you ever said, I want to smell an old welly boot? I, I have actually been into her laboratory and uh, looked through her drawer of smells, and uh, old welly boots is in there. Did you smell I it? I smelled it. It smelled just like an old welly boot. That's really scary. I really like the idea of, a, of somebody saying, what do you do for a living? And you saying, I'm a nose. I'm, I'm a, a nose. nose. Yeah. nose yeah. My favourite thing about her laboratory is sometimes when you've been smelling smells all day, your scent, is, your smell goes, all your senses go. So she sends you outside, she makes you eat a jelly bean, and then she gets you to come and sit on a swing, and she pushes you on the swing, and the waft of air clear your nose... And you go back to smelling again. But she takes it very seriously. I feel like it would be really hard to take that seriously as a, non, as a non-nose. You think that, but when you're in it, it's hard to not to, You have to take it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes very serious. And you... Tell us a little bit about Reek, how it came about, what the sort of ethos of it is. Yeah. and It all started with my mother. So we run the company together, mm-hmm. it's me and my mum. She's a historical writer. She does historical fiction and she specialises in female history. And so she was doing a report about uh, statues in the UK and she found out that there are more statues raised in memory of animals than there are of women in the UK. Oh, my God. And she took this very personally, because it's annoying, right? Yeah, That's yeah. really annoying. And she thought about it for ages, and she ended up thinking, you know, scent would be a brilliant way to do that. Mm-hmm. So we came together and uh, teamed up with Sarah McCartney, and uh, we came up with this smell to memorialise our first set of women, which are the damn rebel bitches, which were the women of the Jacobite uprising. And uh, when all the men left the court and got sent away around Europe, they uh, took over, and they absolutely killed it. One of them, Lady Nisdale, snuck mm-hmm. her husband out of the Tower of London dressed in drag. That's the kind of ladies they were. So all of our scents are to memorialise women. Mm-hmm. So we have damnable bitches, and now we have damnable witches, which is more about the play on words. So witches can come across as a very negative word, and a lot of people are persecuted for being witches in the past, but also now in other countries. It's, you know, it's a really serious problem. Um, so we wanted to challenge the norm of words, and that's why we used reek, because reek in the dictionary's definition is a smell, but people talk about it as if it's a bad smell. Most people yeah, think it's of it definitely as a yeah. lot of negative connotations. Yeah. yeah, isn't he a character in Game of Thrones? He is. He yeah. is. Yeah, we have a lot of very confused Game of Thrones fans <laughs> on our on our Twitter a lot. Can you describe to us, as if we were noses, the smell of damn rebel bitches? I can indeed. So I can tell you the notes in it. Would you like the notes? Can you explain to me what notes are? Yeah. Okay, so notes are notes are the fancy word for what something smells like. So when you pick out the different smells, you call them the notes, and then the main smell is called the heart. Mm. So the heart of the perfume is hazelnut, which we mm. used all the all the ingredients that we used um, played a big part in the damn rebel bitches' lives. So hazelnuts were used to make bread. They used nuts in a lot of their diet. Uh, we used pink peppercorn because that was so fancy at the time. People would do anything for pink peppercorn. And then we used uh, blood orange because people used orange peel for deodorant and things like that. Uh, we've used clary sage, which is a form of salvia that a lot of women smoked for period pain. And then we have malts because at that time women made beer. And I've smelt it and it smells pretty good. Not it that sounds nice to you. like it would smell quite earthy, like 
Yeah, I guess it kind of does a bit, doesn't yeah. it? It's yeah, it's not, it's not like really sweet or no. anything like that. It's quite fruity. Yeah, it's quite citrusy because mm. of because of the orange and things mm. like that. And then witches is the same bitch with a darker twist. So she's got orange pips and and a ferret. Yeah, <laughs> there's loads of ferrets and all the perfume. They come with a ferret practically. That's not a true claim. Yeah. To put that no, on record. No actual no ferrets. Because no in all that, I studied history and sort of around the Civil War and stuff. And also, I'm from a town near Manningtree, which is where Matthew. Hopkins, you know, the grand... I was about to call him Grandmaster Flash, but he is, of course, (laughs) not Grandmaster Flash. He's very much the Witchfinder General. And coincidentally, where Margaret Thatcher worked when she invented Mr Whippy. I'm sure the two things aren't connected. But yeah, a lot of witches around those parts, apparently. A lot of women accused of being witches. Yes. Or rather like women with ferrets. It was men as well. Men and women were persecuted for being witches. And in the 20s in particular, in uh, Sweden, a lot of women, a lot of female artists were accused of being witches and given lobotomy. So there's a lot of history with witchcraft and how people have used the idea of witchcraft just to prosecute women who are challenging, really. Can I ask a question about perfume? Yes, Yes, please please do. Um, is it right that perfume smells different depending on who's wearing it? Well, that's a really interesting question. So Yay. it depends on the <laughs> it depends on the perfume. Some perfumes are stabilized. So most perfumes you buy in the high street smell the same on wood, paper and skin. And that's so people can't complain that it doesn't right. smell like what they thought it smelled right. like in the shop. Our perfume's unstabilized and a lot of Indian niche perfumes are and it means they smell different depending on whose skin they are. On so uh, people tend to like our perfume on themselves more than other people. Because that's your natural mm. instinct is to like your own smell. So, for example, one of my best friends wears Dara Rebel Bitches and it smells really sweet on her. It smells almost like candy floss or something. Whereas when I put it on, it smells very earthy. It smells a lot deeper. So it mixes in with your pheromones. Because I chatted to Molly about this a while ago um, when Standard Issue was still an online magazine. And we were talking about because the stuff that you guys do, all of the sort of branding and the mm. artwork and things like that is all sort of feminist. Yeah. Really raw. Yeah, so you use all sorts of different models. Yeah. They're not actually models, are they? No, we They're... do open casting. Mm. So our youngest model is 18. Well, actually, our youngest model is four months old, who's a puppy uh, called Boris. <laughs> but uh, if we're talking ladies here, is 18, and our oldest model is 82. So we do unretouched photographs of women mm. and men now as well. We've, we've, we're trying to get as many people involved as possible. And we shoot them in natural light with no retouching. And we get our models to pick their photos. So we, we, we want to give back the voice to the mm. people that model for us. And we also use a lot of hands. Because a lot of perfume ads, as we all know, tend to be... They're ridiculous. They're, they're normally a creepy man climbing into your window. <laughs> you know, you're like up on the 16th floor. Up comes Orlando Bloom through your window. But you don't want to talk to him. So you march off in your dress. And then he finds you and Nobody- you Nobody looks forward either. Everyone always looks yes. over their shoulder yes. in perfume adverts. I used favorite. to have a theory that um, all of the Calvin Klein adverts used to have that weird whispering, and I thought it was because Calvin Klein himself probably had very sensitive hearing. So they'd be going, <laughs> Mr. Klein, Mr. Klein, Mr. Klein, <laughs> you're two o'clock. They run the same ones for Asian and Asians, I mm. imagine, because... In this particular one, Martin Scorsese directed it, so they probably wanted to get their money's worth. The one, I think it's Chanel Blur, and I think it is loosely based on the final scene of Notting Hill, where, you know, the dude, he's in he's in the press conference, and he goes, I'm not going to be the person people oh, expect yeah, me to be yeah. anymore, and then, like, everything falls over, yeah. and he pulls the bird, and off he goes off on a motorbike or something like that. They are yeah. just, I feel like Perfume Ads is very perfectly said, they are just, like, rom-coms, Mm. Like, but also it goes back into the the big productions, and they literally mm. are big mm. productions. Is how much 
of a wealthy industry and a money-making industry mm. it is, which is probably why it's so far removed now from the values of... Most definitely. And people don't want it. I mean, we the first, when we first ran our Untouched campaign, it was me. I, I did it. I was the model in it. And I am five foot one, I'm a size eight, and I'm white. So I'm pretty standard as far as people are used to seeing in advertising. And we did unretouched images of me just naked, just in sort of weird shapes and stuff like that, not showing any nipples, of course, because that's mad. And um, the comments we got back were, somebody told me that I look like a dead pig. That's was nice. One of them. Wow. And these were, we posted them on feminist blogs, Facebook groups, and the, the women that got back to us were really cruel. Somebody, uh, we did one with my grandmother in it, um, who is 81 at the time, she's now 82. Someone said... This is the sort of thing I'd want to see in an art gallery, not on my dressing table. So you you get a really strange reaction Mm. to this. And that's why we started up our blog, which is called Bitches Unite. And we wanted it to be a space where women, whether they shave or they let their hair grow or they wear a full face every day, whatever they do, where they don't wear makeup, Mm. they can join together and be on one platform. Because within within feminism, there's a lot of subculture. And I think that that's kind of, I mean... We're fucked, really. If we can't all get along and we don't want men to join in, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's a choice thing, isn't it? It's having the choice to wear loads of makeup if yeah, you want exactly. to, or choosing not to ever wear makeup. Or yeah. do you think that they were so heinous because perfume is sold to us as this idea of, well, if I wear that, I can be her? That's exactly. That's exactly why. And people said that. People were very honest about that. You know, they said that you know they want their imagination to take them into somewhere else. It's escapism, which I think is really interesting because a lot of our campaigns are maybe hands with dripping and jewellery and, you know, they're still untouched, but it's still quite, you know, it's quite glamorous. There are also mm. a lot of way, way better ways to escape than washing perfume. Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, if that's where all my aspiration came from. I think it's really interesting from a beauty industry perspective. Mm-hmm. So I like makeup a lot. I wear it yeah. a lot. I think it's fun. Agreed. It's I, my life. I'm a makeup artist. So well, exactly. It's my, it's my livelihood. I love yeah. the creativity of it. Yeah. But also yeah. the fact that even if I'm feeling shit, I put on my face, literally. Yeah. And one, that's a little bit of time just for me. And yeah. two, mm. I feel like I can face things a bit more. Does it? That's just how it works yeah. for me. But it's different for and every woman. transparent and honest about it. And I think that's the only issue really within the beauty industry is that people try and hide things. So you see, we, we discussed this last mm. time, you, you see maybe somebody in a magazine and they're wearing no makeup they said they're wearing no makeup it's not no makeup and they need to write that down people should write down there is makeup used here to make create the effect mm. of no makeup no makeup makeup no makeup yeah. makeup no is makeup. my number one thing I get asked to do now no makeup makeup is uh, very fashionable right now to mm. make people look like they're not and it, it goes as far as you cut up um, eyelash extensions to put single hairs in people's brows you know it's really serious people go really over the top to make it look like they're not wearing makeup but, I mean, they're, they're in my chair for an hour sometimes. Yeah, you know? yeah. Sometimes it takes longer. Shit tons of makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. And it's not just the makeup, is it? It's the lighting and things like that. The lighting, like that. yeah. And the editing. I mean, I do a lot of campaigns and editorials and things with the models because you end up getting, being quite close with a lot of models being in their face all day and whatnot. Mm. <laughs> and uh, they don't recognise themselves. They get these pictures back of themselves and they genuinely don't see it as, as them because mm. they'll change their nose, they change their eyes. Sometimes you do a whole makeup and they, they change it in the edit. And you think, well, why did you hire that model that looks like that? And why did you bother hiring me? I mean, please still hire me, people. Because, you know, <laughs> I need to eat. But it's, it's that kind of weird thing. So we don't see the smoke and mirrors, and we're not told of the smoke and mirrors. So 
for a lot of people who don't have any insight into that industry, when they see somebody, they take it as it is, as we do with media. You know, you read a story, yeah. and people sometimes take it as it is on, on the paper. And that's the same as photographs. Mm. I think there is, a, there is a pressure there. And I couch this in someone who never wears makeup, ever. And This is good, though. This is a good... Not... Mm-hmm. And I'm not wearing makeup and pretending I'm not wearing makeup because the, one of the reasons I don't ma- wear makeup is I don't want to spend an hour... Yeah. getting ready so it would be pointless for me to spend time to look like wasn't wearing makeup I do think I get what all of you are saying about makeup I do think there is an idea that makeup is the default and if you mm-hmm. are not wearing it then mm-hmm. there is something wrong the, the best way I can use to describe this is I don't know what charity it was but a few years ago there was this oh, was thing where you concert. had to take yeah, a, yeah. a photograph no of you selfie. with no yeah. makeup of I love this yeah and the amount of people I knew that were doing it and saying, oh, this is what I look like. And yeah, I can understand it's it's liberating or, or whatever. But as someone who all of the photos they have on yes. social media, they are not wearing makeup. Mm-hmm. I find it a little bit, it made it seem like the position of not wearing makeup was the wrong position. Mm-hmm. And it was like, hey, this is unusual. This is me without makeup not on. And I don't say that because I think that people should not wear makeup. Uh-huh. But both I just should think be people should be more comfortable with yeah. what they look like. We've all not had it makeup. when you're not wearing makeup and everyone asks you if you're ill. Are you tired? Yeah. You Are you really tired? tired? Or did you have a bad night? And that's a, that's a big fuck you. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. shouldn't. It should. <laughs> it should have. It should just be people as they are. But that's a huge point and a huge ethos behind our brand. Like when people come in, they don't have to wear makeup in their photos if they don't want to. You know, as I'm, I'm obviously double in it that I'm the art director but I also am a makeup artist but we ask people what they want you know do you want to wear your red lips do you Mm -hmm. want no makeup and seeing people as they actually are on camera because some people don't recognize themselves without their red lip Mm -hmm. and some people feel like a clown with it on Mm -hmm. you know there's no right or wrong there how do you marry because you're at very different points on the same sort of level so the one where you're like this is raw this is women being what they want Mm -hmm. to be and like sort of complicit in the camouflage and the sort of secrecy around beautiful and inverted commas and commas women it's one of i suppose my because of what i do in makeup and i i I work a lot in film and tv and fashion so i do i see loads of different sides of 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 the media industry and um that's one of the things that fueled me wanting to do this so badly for a week because a lot of the time i do campaigns and it looks beautiful and then they go away and get edited and like I was just saying people don't even recognize themselves mm-hmm. and there's a lot of things I do where you think god god like I do a lot of e-commerce where something literally doesn't fit someone and they pin it in the back and you think some poor babe's gonna buy that and it's gonna we've all done it it arrives in the box you yeah. take it out and you think what the fuck is this this doesn't look anything like mm-hmm. what I bought just looks like a toga yeah That's what totally happens. Toga. always a toga yeah or a towel yeah <laughs> so that was a huge driving force for me you know my mum's side of it is very much about female history and about memorialising women which is important to both of us but my side of it is definitely more how women are represented in media and advertising especially most companies have the privilege to hire whatever models they want you get when you go to a modelling agency you get a huge list Mm. you get a book of models that you are available on that day and I feel like there should be more of a push for companies and brands to use models who aren't just in their 20s use models of color you know these these are their choice they're choosing not to do this and that's something that we really want to challenge within reek mm. we use models of all ages we use models of all races we we try and encourage models i, I use the word models but i mean just people come in and model for us with scars or with psoriasis say that's a big thing that people are kind of hush hush about and get people to show that off and we get amazing response from that as much as we get people saying it's weird and they don't like it we also get people saying oh i've got arm hair and i've never seen a model 
have her arm here in a photograph. I remember you saying this thing to me last time we spoke about paws. Yes. On people's faces. Oh, because I, I think <laughs> I think I had seen something. I think I actually saw an advert not that long ago when we spoke. Mm-hmm. It had, and you could see the model's paws in it. And it really jarred. It looked weird. It really jarred. It's paws in these lines. We yeah, all have yeah. them. Yeah. But when do you see them in a photo? You no, really, never see them. And if you do see, I mean, it's very popular in the last couple of months. A lot of big brands and photographers have done unretouched photos. And they're in black and white. Which and you're like, not, everyone yeah. looks, yeah, that, like, of course you can't see the paws and yeah. lines in black and white. Freckles tend to disappear in pictures as yes. well. Yes. Like, freckles freckles are beautiful. You, you can't yeah. keep freckles if you properly, if you airbrush somebody, and that's why. Because a lot of makeup, you can see freckles through. But when it comes to airbrushing and lighting, these things get totally wiped out. My favourite thing they... about the summer is yes. getting freckles. But they yes. draw them on now. Yeah. Yeah. Really? That's the, yeah, that's, you yeah. can see People it, cover so, yeah. up their freckles, and I've done this for people, and some of my draw... clients, and then I draw them back on. That's crazy. And, and drawing on freckles, let me tell you, can take a long time yes. to make them look natural. It's layers upon layers of different sizes. I have and... one on the inside there of my eye, and it's the one thing that people always say, which, bearing in mind, I never wear makeup. You've got a bit of, like... Uh, and you're like I have that here on my lip. A, and people are like, you've got freckle. something on your lip. And I'm yeah. like, it's a freckle. My friend has one on a forehead that's like a, a, a smudgy freckle. And people, I've seen people lift yeah, their yeah, thumb yeah. and yeah. try and rub it off. And she's like, it's just genuinely it's a freckle, my face. Yeah. Get off. But that's how unused... We, we were just so unused to seeing people as they are. And I think television emulates that as well. And a lot of it is lighting. You know, we talk about makeup and photo, but lighting's a huge thing. And a couple of years ago, there was that big Dove campaign, which was like women of all sizes. And, you know, it was about showing women as they are and they were unretouched. But if you look at the studio, the behind the scenes, they had so much lighting on those women that they could have made them look any which way they wanted to because lighting is, is way over 50% of mm. what changes people Absolutely. on camera. And that's the thing I think also people don't understand is how much of an impact the lighting makes as well. Oh, it, makes a, it can make or break a makeup, they yeah. think. But the, another thing that I think is really interesting about the way the world has gone now, mm. you know, contouring and yeah. stuff like that. Sorry, is contouring the thing you were telling me you're like, skeletal? You, you enhance your, own, your bones. Yeah. They, they say you should never see a good contour. So the point of a contour is you can't see it. Mm. But that has been lost on most of the world. Uh-huh. There's a girl who works in a coffee shop that I sometimes go to, and she's like, you know, she's a teenager. She's mm-hmm. very pretty, but I go in there and I think that's silly. She it, she just looks mucky. Yeah. It's, it's been really... taken from drag queens. Yeah. So since the, and this is a big part again of bitches. You know, we we, we support our our drag sisters, <laughs> and um, they're a big part of reclaiming the word bitch. But uh, when drag became very popular, you know, in pop culture, which is only a couple of years ago, really, yeah. that it became, really cool. you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's when the contour phase really kicked in. And drag queens are amazing. I mean, like, I'm in awe of drag queens when I watch them do their makeup. They change, they sculpt their face. They're, oh, they're, they're like sculptors and painters. Yeah. And it's, it's about, yeah, there are artists yeah. because it is just about light and depth. So if you if you can draw something well on a piece of paper, you can normally do a good contour and things like that. But it's not meant to be seen, mm. and it's not it, people wear it as a mask. And I do worry sometimes about the amount of girls and and boys, about you know maybe they're sort of in their early teens right now, are going to grow up wearing this mask. Yeah. And then when they take it off, do they recognise themselves? And Much the, like hair extensions. The look as well. There are certain celebrities at the moment who. I would vouch have had quite a lot of cosmetic yes. work 
done to their faces. And I think the way that kids do makeup now、mm-hmm. is to make it look like they've yeah, had work done,、definitely. which I think is a bizarre concept. But it's the same. They do that with their lips. That's where the big yeah, lip like thing comes from, and the thing, contour, the small yeah, nose. Yeah, but we do it within culture as well. So, like, we all want to look like we've been on holiday sure, because it、yeah. makes you look like you are rich. You know,、yeah. if you can go on holiday, you're rich. It's like the opposite is what used to be pale.、Yeah. Now it's now it's tanned. So everybody makes themselves darker through、mm. makeup, and then you have the opposite effect where you get, especially in、uh, Malaysia and a lot in America, where you get black women who. Who bleach their skin and、yeah. don't tell people as well. So you have these kind of two parallels. And me and a lot of my makeup friends joke that everyone's trying to be the same color.、Yeah. We're all trying to be this like beigey color, and we're all just trying so hard to meet in the middle, but but for totally different reasons.、Yeah. Or at least that's what、uh, a lot of societies are trying to sell to us. Most、yeah. definitely, there's a lot of people、yeah. who are like proudly, this is. But it's thrown in our face.、So. Yeah. If you look at most white women in the public eye. They are tanned. They have, you know, what I mean, they they have a they they are tanned. They look, for lack of a better word, they're trying to look exotic, aren't they? They're trying to look like they're not from the place they're from. And when you look at a lot of women of color and then public eye, they're they're very westernized. They wear blue contacts. They make their hair blonde and they bleach their skin. Now, there's nothing wrong if somebody wants to paint their face a different color. If someone wants to bleach their skin, that's totally fine. We're all in our own right to do that. But they're not transparent about it. So there's a lot of women people looking up to these people, thinking, "How do I look like that?" And they don't have the correct information as to why that person looks like that in the first place,、mm-hmm. and that's a really big problem within the industry. The other thing that I think is really interesting is that caveated with,、mm. I really like makeup, I wear it, but so Standard Issue magazine, obviously, we used to be an online magazine, and our whole thing was didn't want to do anything that. Makes women feel shit about themselves,、yeah. basically, and the kind of images that you're bombarded with all the time、mm-hmm. are, I think, designed to make women feel shit about themselves,、yeah. so that they buy these things to, to feel、it. better. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna to, wear this perfume and have her life. Yeah, yeah. Is, or、uh, skincare is the best yeah. one. Yeah, you. If you buy this eye cream, you'll have her skin. No, you won't. Like that's ridiculous. You don't look like that person, so you're never gonna look like、yeah. that person. And people think the same with makeup. I get a lot. People always bring in a picture、really? of Jessica Alba for their no, wedding. Is it because she is so good at the no makeup makeup? Exactly. Yeah. She looks like the、yes. girl next door, but the like really beautiful. That's her business girl next yeah. door. Yeah, a hundred percent. So people just think, oh, I can, can I have makeup to look like this? And you do have to say to them. No, because your face—you're going to look great in your makeup. It's not that you're going to look beautiful, but you're not going to look like Jessica Alba because you're not. Yeah, that's not how this works. Yeah,、and、I think a lot of advertising sort of wants to trick people into thinking that. But mascara is a great one. If you look at the bottom of mascara, it always advert, says, yeah, yeah, it says. Like ten pairs of false lashes were used in、Which、the making of this advert. I always think that's so funny. I don't want to see what it looks like with ten pairs of、yeah. false eyelashes. I want to see what it would look like if I wore it. Yeah, yeah.、Totally. Without ten pairs of false eyelashes. And props to brands like Benefit who do do that. They put that on the side of their packaging. And there are some brands that do do that, and they they try and show things so they're actually meant to be used. Something because there was a lot of fuss made about yes, it. Yes,、mm. only because it's it's great marketing, isn't it? If L'Oreal's、yeah. in trouble for people wearing false lashes. Your best to do a really natural photo with somebody wearing no concealer, and everyone will love that. I have a makeup question.、Mm-hmm. What? What have you、I、done with Hannah?、Mm-hmm. Yeah. I noticed that. I know. <laughs> just sitting here acting like I, I have no idea、You're、what I'm talking about. Just like a manspreader. I am also manspreading. <laughs>、um, I've noticed that women I know, and you know, also women that I, I see around—not necessarily I know—the people in the shop. They tend to find a makeup style and stick with it、mm-hmm. and never、mm-hmm. change it. Is that is that a good thing to do, or should you always be mixing it up? I feel like 
your face. It, I work with a lot of um, women who maybe are in their sixties or seventies, and they've been wearing the same makeup since the sixties or seventies. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's not great because your face changes, your coloring mm. changes, especially when you you lose the color from your hair. Obviously, oh, that, that changes your whole what you should do with your face. That's the other thing that people do is that uh-huh. like women because we're not supposed to have grey hair. Uh-huh. A lot of us. Die, I dye my hair. I dyed it for ages. But I'm very aware that at some point it kind of looks like you're wearing a hair hat because your yeah. complexion changes. Not even a yeah. wig, a hat, hat made of hair. Yeah, no, 100%. And it's like, so, because I used to be very, very dark, I've had to start going a little bit uh-huh. lighter. Otherwise, it just looks like I'm wearing a hair hat. And it's yeah. because your complexion changes. Yeah, your so colouring changes mm, completely. you're trying to still wear the same yeah. makeup, it's not going to look as mm. good as it used it's to. It's not going to look as good. And, like, fashion changes, but that's neither here nor there. People, you know, fashion changes and people still dress the same and it comes back around. But I think that makeup is there to either create a character for yourself or to enhance yourself. Mm-hmm. So if somebody is doing it to enhance themselves and it's not, that as a makeup artist, it is my duty to yes. step in and then slowly throw away those 50-year-old lipsticks and whatnot. So where do people get advice from? Because currently the only place I know that you get advice is the people that grab you on the way into boots, <laughs> and they don't always look like the best examples. No, they're trying to sell you stuff. I think that there's a huge... That, YouTube and bloggers and vloggers are huge right now. Mm-hmm. I'm a little She's bit obsessed, obsessed with, them, yeah. with Pixie Woos. Yes. Chapman yeah. Sisters. Well, Sam's my favourite. No offence, Nick, if you're watching or listening because you can't see us. I love that Sam is my age... She looks amazing. She admits that she's like, oh, I started having a bit of Botox. Yeah. But she does stuff, and they always start with no makeup yeah. on. And not no makeup makeup, but, totally. like, no makeup. I work with a lot of um, cosmetic brands outside of Rika as a makeup artist, and uh, none of them use, uh, like, glossy mags to advertise or anything like that anymore. People are stepping away from that mm. because they know that everybody can see how these things work now. We know that magazines are paid to promote things. We know that advertising and, you know, place products and things like that, that's general knowledge. Whereas people go to these bloggers because of their honesty. Mm-hmm. You know, the, they will tell you if it's shit. Mm. Or they'll tell you if it's good. And, and they'll say, well, this looks good on me because I had Botox or this or that. And I think that there's a real, there's a really nice sort of thing about that, how accessible that is now. I do a lot of transgender makeup classes for people that are transitioning or have already transitioned both ways. So you could be learning how to shave for the first time yeah. or how to put on mascara for the first time. Both of these are very intimidating things to do for the first time. And a lot of um, people in these classes talk to me about how much YouTube bloggers for makeup artists and to do hair and things have really helped their transition. You know, So it helps a lot of different people. I also do a lot of work with um, cancer charities where you're teaching people to put their eyebrows back on and eyelashes and things like that. And again, a lot of these women go to these YouTube tutorials and they would their confidence would really be nothing without them. You know, they've found that. And that's great that you can have that access. Is it a good thing that we find or some people find makeup like empowering? Mm-hmm. Are we just pandering to society? No. We've always used makeup. Like if you look at tribes Mm. We've always used makeup to create an identity for ourselves, whether it's a joined one or one for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at something like uh, the Joker, his makeup comes from the Ainu tribes, which are the tiny island at the top of Japan. I didn't like that she looked at me as she said that. Oh! <laughs> it's just my face. Makeup, most makeup and most hair comes from different points in history that have come from something else, and we've stolen it and recreated it in modern times. So I think that makeup and the way we dress has always been... It's a human instinct, you know? Like, back in you know the Versailles times, it was men that wore makeup. Mm. Women didn't wear makeup then. They, they, wore, they whitened their skin and things like that, and they wore wigs. But men used to wear, like, blue on their eyes and red lipstick. And, and that was a play of power. So I think that it's always been in, mm. in human nature to want to wear makeup and to, to create that kind of mask. 
But the beauty industry, I think, again, caveated with the fact that I love makeup, but the beauty industry, mm. the people that sell us makeup, to me, that's not cool. I find it interesting that you get women's magazines that are sponsored by makeup brands mm. who might call themselves feminists, for example. I find that like a weird concept. 100%. But then I think it, it stretches out further than just the beauty industry. It really mm. stretches out to everything then, doesn't it? Because we're in this sort of weird time where, like we were just saying before, no one knows who to trust. Mm. Like, you know, you're you're being told, oh, this is great. And you're like, why are they telling me that's great? What's their agenda? Yeah. Like, are they selling this to me? Are they being paid for this? Yeah. And because we're also aware of that now, I think that that is a bit of an issue. But that doesn't take away from the fact that the sort of core element of it is is freedom. You know, if people want to paint their face, they should be able to paint their face, and if they don't, they shouldn't have to. But I think that the way it's represented in the media mm-hmm. is the issue rather than how people actually go about it and why they want to have makeup and things. Especially the fact that L'Oreal and Estee Lauder own almost every single yeah. cosmetic brand. Mm-hmm. And so but people each other, don't know that. People don't know that. Yeah. In, in, in everything, there's one or two companies mm. that own everything. They're all the same. Most makeup's made in the same factories as each other. So you, you got, I won't name them just in case, but there's a lot of factories. If you if you know which brand you're looking for and you know which factory they come from, you can go and find the high street version of a high end brand. And so it uses like the same Chanel pigments. and Bourjois, I think. That's is, a re, that's yeah. A really yeah, that's a famous one. And then Mac and Kiko. I think the the point that we get stuck on, and that certainly a standard issue in the ethos that we have, mm. is the lack of transparency mm. and yes. also. The way of selling to women by going, you're not good you're enough, not good enough yeah, as you are. Totally. It becomes really complex because, as I just said, when we released these images, our main critics were women. Mm-hmm. So women have almost tricked themselves into thinking that they want this. Not just women, men and women. I mean, a lot of men wear makeup and it's becoming a little bit more acceptable now, yeah. as it should be. If we get to put a mask on, why shouldn't they? Yeah. You know, if I've had no sleep, why do I get to pretend I look good, but my boyfriend doesn't? It seems silly. But I think that... Is it because they've got all the power and the money? Sorry. Maybe. I think that there has to be a larger change than just how people change how they advertise things. I think there has to be a bit of a social change as well about that and a bit more of supporting of women. You can see it slowly happening now. Hair is a great example. So uh, pubic hair or having hairy legs. Um, and I think that people are just coming around to the idea that they don't have to live it to support it. You know, and just in general, I think that it's only just coming into sort of the public eye that you can say, yeah, like your hairy legs look great, but I don't have hairy legs and that's fine. And same yeah. vice versa, rather than turning on each other. Yeah. It should be more about joining together and supporting people however they want to look. Well, the hair thing's interesting, isn't it? Because I mm. remember you saying to me before, like skin is like a thing in your branding because no one knows what skin actually looks yeah. like. No one, like, people just don't know about hair on mm. their arms. Mm. I speak to loads of people who are like, oh, no, I've got hairy arms. And you're like, we all have hairy arms. Like, yeah. everybody has hairy arms. Everyone has hair on, like, the side of their face a little bit. Most people have hair on their tummy. But we just totally forget about these things because we don't see them in the public eye. And therefore, when you see yours, you freak out and most people want to get rid of them. And again, if you want to get rid of them, that's fine. But I think the social pressure needs to be taken off. And I think it is a lot, but not for a much younger generation. When I speak to a lot of 12 to 16-year-olds, they're a lot more liberated about about sex and about what looks sexy. You know, they, 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 they realise that some people find leg hair attractive and some people don't, and that's fine, and they make their own decision about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot to do with education about sexuality, um, about the, the sort of spectrum of sexuality, becoming coming into primary schools mm-hmm. and things like that, and people are a lot more accepting of that now. There's an element, I think that you see a certain style of makeup and you also see it with haircuts mm-hmm. and things where 
it just seems like I could see young women wearing makeup and there's three or four of them on the bus they were wearing exactly the same makeup. Yeah, they look the same, yeah, yeah and because it might they're well emulating suit one of them. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't sound to be honest, I don't think it, it necessarily suits any of yeah. them. But yeah, that seems to be a sort of a lack of individuality mm-hmm. in it, as in that's the way everybody else is wearing their makeup. That's the way. Yeah. I don't think that's new, oh. though. Like, I remember being 14 and dressing and the same as my yeah. friends. And it's just that makeup's a lot more in the public eye now. Like, I look at 14-year-olds and 13-year-olds, and I'm like, God damn. When I was your age, my makeup was atrocious because I had no clue. But you have a clue now. So makeup, because makeup is more in the public eye, people are using that in the same way that we all used to wear clothes. Like, you all remember buying the mm-hmm. same, like, T-shirt as all your friends, or you'd all have the same converse and swap one. And it does feel like makeup's it's it's kind of a tribal thing and at that age 14 15 mm-hmm. when you're trying to work out who you are and what your identity is you always end up being yeah, you the, same the same as everyone same. else yeah. because standing out is terrifying. Yeah. Whereas but actually it's it's the best. I think I see young people now who are at school maybe and I think fucking hell there's no way I'd have been allowed to wear that. Oh my god, school. 100%. Like someone would have yeah. taken me into the bathroom and scrubbed it off my uh-huh. face. Cuz like the panda eye Yes. It was a really big thing. Like in the 90s uh-huh. when I was at school, you put mm-hmm. loads of mascara on and you put loads of eyeliner yeah. like all around your eye. And I do remember one girl being told, yeah. here is some eye makeup remover, make that go away. It goes in circles. If you look like at the moment, the makeup that people like is very reminiscent of the 80s. But eyebrows is a really interesting mm. thing because every 10 years, eyebrows change back and forth to thin and thick. And it's kind of the same as makeup. So you can kind of tell what generation someone was a teenager in yeah, by how they yeah. like to wear their makeup and yeah. brows. Like for me, when I was younger, it was um, putting concealer on your lips. And that will come back round. That, you know, it all comes back round. Molly, yeah. tell us where we can find Reek and how we can get involved with you and get in touch yeah. with you. So we sell online at reekperfume.com. Um, and you can get all of our perfumes there. We do loads of different sizes. But also on our website is a... We have two different issues. We've got our blog, which is Bitches Unite. Um, and we're always looking for different people to write. If you have any wise words to say, we want them. And we will pay you in perfume. So send them on in. And we also have our Sticky Bitches initiative. We're blocked on Facebook and Instagram for advertising because we have the word bitch and unretouched images of naked women. So we put all of our marketing budget into Sticky Bitches, which are gender equality causes on stickers. And every three months, our customers and our audience can pick what they want to be on the next sticker. We send them out worldwide for free. So if you want to get involved, but you don't want any fucking perfume, get a sticker instead. I've got some stickers, and, and they're very brilliant, and I adorn my stationery with yes. them. And if you have any ideas for stickers, please send them in, because we're, we always like sticky ideas. And we even have a sticker vigilante fund. So we've had a lot of lovely ladies, if you're listening, sticking. We repeal the eight stickers and all the Irish consulates, which we do get fined for. So thank you for being so staunch. But maybe stick them, like, near the consulates instead. Did you say your mum wrote books? Yeah, my mum. So my mum's a writer. She does historical fiction. Her name's Sarah Sheridan. And uh, she does historical fiction, and um, she also does like script writing, and uh, she's a journalist as well. We're actually writing a kids' book together right now about the right to roam in Europe using the Loch Ness monster. So oh keep your eyes goodness. out for that. Yeah. It's called Monsters yeah, it's Unite. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming well, in. I think it's just me. such an interesting subject, and mm. like even within this room of yeah. four women very different views on what it means yeah. so yeah thank you so much for coming to talk to us no, thank you for having the smelly bitch 